Well, as I mentioned before, we're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23 and 24. And uh, I'm going to skip the last few verses. Uh, I don't know if you want to hear a sermon on greet one another with a holy kiss, but it does sound intriguing, doesn't it? Uh, But we've already talked about sex a few weeks ago, so if you missed that one, you can go to the website and enjoy that. Uh, But I'm going to end it here, and this is kind of the the last prayer or benediction that Paul shares with the Thessalonians. And here's what God's Word says to us this morning. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. And may God bless the reading and hearing of his word to us this morning. Well, the Internet has provided uh, humanity with uh, some interesting and helpful information and some not so much, to say the least. But among the interesting applications that I find is Google Earth. Uh, Google Earth is an application where you can zoom in on any location pretty much on planet Earth and you can get a street level view. Uh, you can go to your house and look at the front door of it if you, if you want to. Or you can zoom out and you can see continents and the whole planet Earth. It's really quite uh, intriguing. And it's fun to see some of the sites that people have discovered. You know, uh, a car on fire because uh, uh, literally a car drives around taking pictures of everything. And sometimes uh, I think burglars have even been caught sneaking out of houses and things of that nature on Google Earth. But pictures are taken, and so you can go and look. So we sometimes go and look at our old house in England where we used to live, and and, uh, it gives gives us fond memories. Well, for the past month, we have been studying this latter half of Chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians at street level. We've been looking at these individual commands, looking at them very, uh, very closely, uh, almost with a microscope. And from verse 12 on, you have all these series of brief commands, and we've looked at those. Well, today I want us to zoom out and get more of the bird's eye picture uh, of what is contained in the latter half of this entire book of 1 Thessalonians, this entire Uh, epistle, letter uh, of Paul's to the Thessalonians. And this is going to allow me to highlight a spiritual principle that is often a cause for confusion among Christians and those who are just beginning to take an interest in Christianity. And that principle is this. What is the relationship between our works and God's work in us? What is the relationship between our works and God's work in us. We're talking about sanctification, holiness. How do we live out the Christian life? What's our effort? What is God's part in that? Well, people tend to fall into one extreme or another, or they teeter-totter between the two extremes, as we often do as fallible human beings. On one extreme is the thought that living the Christian life is completely a work of my own willpower. Therefore, I must give maximum effort because it's all up to my own strength. Well, the problem here is that success in our endeavors to to follow the Lord and be good and do the right things and avoid the wrong things, the problem is that when we have success at that, it often leads us to pride and haughtiness. After all, we've done it in our own 
strength. So it's a source of pride to us. And it also helps us look down on others who aren't as successful as we are. So then you become self-righteous. That's the definition of self-righteous. You've done it all yourself. You're self-righteous. You don't want to be self-righteous. The most condemned people in the Bible were the ones who were the most self-righteous, the Pharisees. So it can lead to self-righteousness and pride if you're successful, but with failures, and there will be failures because you're a sinner, it will lead you to despair because you will not be able to actually live it out perfectly. Uh, You may have some success, but it's like someone trying to long jump the Grand Canyon. You know, I get out there pretty good ways because, you know, I ran track in college and I can jump. And, you know, an Olympic long jumper, he'll get out there, you know, 25, 30 feet. But you know what? We're all going to hit the bottom no matter how far we get out. Just somebody falls off. You know, however successful you are, we fall far short of God's standard of holiness. So there's going to be maybe some success, but that leads to pride. There's going to be a lot of failure, and that's going to lead to despair because we can't do it on our own. Well, the other extreme, that's one extreme. The other extreme is to say that living the Christian life requires no effort at all. It's all the work of God. There's a saying, let go and let God. Well, for some people, it's just let go. There's no letting God. It's just let go and be completely apathetic. They do nothing. They don't make any effort in the Christian life. And that leads to apathy and cold-heartedness towards the Lord and others. So we tend to be in one camp or the other, or we tend to have seasons of great effort mixed with seasons of apathy. And we probably can all uh, look at ourselves and see that we fit somewhere on that spectrum. So what we're talking about, as I mentioned, is sanctification, growing in holiness, growing in our devotion to the Lord. We've talked a lot about sanctification. We've talked a lot about holiness over the past few weeks, and we've defined that uh, as being devoted to the Lord. You know, the Sabbath day is a holy day. Uh, It's a day set apart for the Lord. It's not to be used in other ways. We're not supposed to work uh, uh, unless it's a work of necessity or mercy on the Lord's day. It's a day that's supposed to be devoted to the Lord. When the temple was built, it was dedicated to the Lord. They didn't use the temple for anything but the worship of God. It was not to be used for, you know, parties or, you know, anything else like that. It was just a space dedicated, holy, set apart, not to be used for any other use. And that's what it means to be holy in life. It's devotion to the Lord. It's giving ourselves to the Lord. Now, the question that we're addressing today, is it the work of God or is it the work of Christians? Is it the work of humans? And the answer is, short, the short answer is, yes. Yes. It is the work of God, and it is the work of, of the individual Christian. Well, let's turn our attention to the text before us this morning. And as I said, we're going to zoom out, but we have this prayer in these two verses, 5, 23, and 24. It's a prayer of benediction. A prayer of benediction. You know, so often I'll use this one of my favorite benedictions to use at the end of the service. And it's a prayer. We're invoking God's divine help, his blessing and guidance. And that's what Paul is doing here. He is asking God to sanctify these people, to make them holy. And he's praying that their whole spirit, soul, and body, inward and outward, 
to be kept blameless until the Lord returns. So this is one prayer of benediction in the book of Thessalonians. There is another one, and it is at the end of chapter 3. Turn there to verse 11, 3, 11 through 13. And notice how similar it is to the one at the end, the one in chapter 5. Paul writes, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with his saints. So see, you have both prayers concerned with holiness and blamelessness. Holiness and blamelessness, or sanctification. In the first prayer, Paul lays the stress on love for others. The more you love, the more blameless you will be, because love is the fulfillment of the law. If you love someone, you won't want to murder them or steal from them, etc., So love fulfills the law. If you love the Lord, you're completely devoted to him, and you're not devoted to sin, right? So you see love is woven in there. The two greatest commandments, love God and love others, that's the summation of the law. If we could perfectly love God and perfectly love others, we would never sin. And that's our problem. We're not full of love. So the stress is on love in that one, but the the point is for them to be blameless and holy at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what he prays in chapter 5. I want God to sanctify you wholly and to make you blameless, soul and body, at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see here, uh, what we have is, uh, what I'm going to show you is a Big Mac. We've got a scriptural Big Mac. Now, you know what a Big Mac is. It's got uh, two buns that are the outside, and then it's got a third bun right there in the middle. It's neither top nor bottom. It's, it's the center bun. And then there's meat and lettuce and pickles and special sauce between the buns, between all three. So the buns of this spiritual Big Mac are the prayers. Now, if you'll trace with me what we're going to have between, you'll see a pattern here. Right after that first prayer, at the end of chapter 3, chapter 4 begins this way. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. So if you're a Christian, what is God doing in your life? What is God's will for your life? Verse 3 tells us it is your sanctification. Paul has just prayed for it. And now he's explaining that this is God's will for your life. We always want to know what God's will is for our lives. Well, this is the will of God for your life. He wants you to be completely devoted to him. And he is doing that work in you. And he is calling us to do that work in ourselves as well. Look at verse 7 of chapter 4. God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. He's called us in holiness. This is his purpose for our lives. So at the end of chapter 4 and beginning of chapter 5, Paul then has has discussed, uh, Paul discusses the return of the Lord. And then in chapter 5, verse 12, after he finishes talking about the Lord, He gives those series of commands that we've looked at for the last month. 
and then he prays again. So, here's your Big Mac. You've got prayers at the end of chapter 3, at the end of chapter 5, and in between you have a series of commands, chapter 4, all the way down into the second part of chapter 4. Then in the center, that center bun of your Big Mac, is Paul's teaching on the return of the Lord. And then you have another series of commands. So you've got prayer, commands, teaching on the coming of the Lord, commands, prayer. So see, there's a, there's a pattern there. There's a pattern. Let's look at it more closely. So first, prayer for blameless, blamelessness and holiness at the coming of the Lord. Then you have commands, verse 3 of chapter 4. Abstain from sexual immorality. Verses 11 and 12 of chapter 4. Aspire to live quietly. Mind your own affairs. Work with your hands. So there's some more imperatives. Then you have that teaching on the coming of the Lord. A prayer to be, uh, prayer to be prepared for the coming of the Lord. Commands on how to be prepared for the coming of the Lord. Teaching on the coming of the Lord. And then more commands. Verse 11 of chapter 5. Encourage one another. Build one another up. Verse 12, respect those who labor among you. Uh, verse 13, be at peace among yourselves. 14, admonish the idle. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. Verse 15, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil. Always seek to do good to one another. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. There's almost 25 imperatives in these two chapters. But they're surrounded by prayer. Prayer for God to sanctify these people. So what, what does this teach us? It's, a, it's the spiritual Big Mac. Except it's a great meal, not one that's very unhealthy for you, like a Big Mac is. Well, it teaches us this. That yes, we have commands to follow. To be devoted to the Lord is what we're called to do. I mean, there's 25 commands here in two chapters. But they're surrounded by prayer. We, we do those things in dependence upon the Lord. And that's the point of this whole sermon. That's why I didn't give you an outline today, because there's really only one point. To, to walk and be devoted to the Lord, to walk in holiness, to be devoted to the Lord, does require our effort, but it requires our effort in dependence upon God. And that's what Paul is doing he is relying solely upon the work of God in, in our Christian lives. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 sums it up perfectly. This is actually what I'm trying to show you in a nutshell. Philippians 2, 12 through 13. He says, Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Obey, do what's right, because God is at work in you to will and to do his good pleasure. See, God's working in us is not suspended because we work, John Murray says, nor our working suspended because God works which was what some people think. Neither is the relation strictly one of cooperation, as if God did his part and, and we did ours, so that the conjunction or coordination of both produced the required results. God works in us 
And we also work, but the relation is that because God works, we work. Because God works, we work. See, God is committed to our holiness. That's why Jesus Christ laid down his life. That's why he sacrificed himself to cleanse us from the guilt of sin and to free us from the power of sin so that one day we will be completely out of the presence of sin. He has completely devoted himself to it and he is going to work that out. That's his will for our lives. And if God has committed committed himself to changing our lives, to making us holy, then the only wise course for us is to go along with that. To be committed to that too. If it's God's priority for us to be holy, then it should be our priority as well. And that's the point of this whole sermon today. If it is God's priority, if he has gone to such great lengths to save us from sin, how could we live in it any longer? God is working it in us, and we ought to go along with that. If we don't, our will and God's will will be in competition. They'll be at, at, at odds with one another, and we will be very unhappy. Now look at the verses that we're, this, this final uh, two verses that we're looking at here in Thessalonians. He says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's this completeness, totality of it. It's not just partial. Our devotion to the Lord should be complete. That's what it means to be devoted to the Lord. Sanctify you completely, whole spirit, soul, and body. Now I'm not going to get a discussion whether there's three parts of humanity or two parts. Uh, the inward man and the outward man. It's not just one or the other. It's not just what we look like on the outside, and it's not just what we are on the inside, but it's both, inside and out. And it's total and complete devotion to the Lord. That's what he's after. I was speaking to someone last week. They were asking me some advice. They were arguing with somebody about Ash Wednesday and particularly Lent. And the person they were arguing with, the, that person was saying, uh, you know, that we should sacrifice something. You know, Lent is good because you, just, you should sacrifice something for Christ since he sacrificed for you. Well, that sounds noble, doesn't it? You should sacrifice something for Christ since he sacrificed himself for you. But, you know, maybe that's okay. Uh, you, it sounds all right, but it's not. Christ sacrificed everything for you. So are you going to, for 40 days, give up a little something? Go on a diet? Stop smoking, stop drinking, whatever it is that you want to give up for a few days, for a few weeks. No. The Apostle Paul had it right in Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. He's been spending 12 chapters telling us exactly what Christ has done in, 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 in dying and, and sacrificing himself so that we will be free from sin. I appeal to you by these mercies of God sending Christ into the world to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
God's will is for us to give our entire self to Him, to be completely devoted to Him, and to be not devoted to our sin. Not just to give it up for a little time. God wants all of us. And that's what He's doing in us. He's weaning us from this world. Sometimes He brings suffering and trials to us so that we will devote ourselves more to Him. Now sometimes when we are confronted with our sins, we just think, you know what? I need to try better. I need to try harder. Well, that's the, we're going back to the first mistake that I mentioned, that extreme of it's all on me. We need to recognize something about ourselves, that we are, that we are being renewed and God is committed to it. We still have a sin nature. We still struggle with sin. The Apostle Paul himself in Romans 7 talked about that struggle with sin that he experienced and we all experience. But we have to recognize that we are sinners and, like Paul, live in humble reliance upon the Lord and continuously go to him in prayer, like Paul did for the Thessalonians, and say, Lord, I need you to make me holy. Holy Spirit, I need you to give me strength to walk in these commandments, to, to walk this path that you have put before me. As I'm marching to Zion, Holy Spirit, I need you to bear me up because I'm a sinner. In my reading this week, uh, my reading plan going through the Bible, I was reading in Numbers 15, and sometimes when you read through Leviticus and Numbers, you can get bogged down but there's uh, some gems there that you really need to pay attention to. And here's one that I, I read. Uh, the Lord is giving Moses instructions for the people of God. Uh, they've built the tabernacle and they're working out the worship pattern. And it says uh, there in Numbers 15:37, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel and tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner. And it shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord to do them, not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to whore after. So you shall remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Well, Jesus Christ is the Lord our God who laid down his life for us free us from sin, to forgive us of our sins. And we have to recognize that our hearts and our eyes lead us astray. We are inclined to whore after them, to be unfaithful to the Lord. So we need help. We can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's, he's wrapping those commands that he's given in chapter 4 and 5 with prayers that the Lord would work in our lives, in their lives. And that's what we need to do every morning, every evening, to live, to come to the Lord in humble dependence, recognizing that we're inclined to stray, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it, as the hymn says, and to ask for his strength to be able to do those commands that he's given us, to love him supremely and to love our neighbor as ourselves, as ourself. Well, today, uh, if you don't know the Lord, I want to encourage you to call out to him so he can free you from sin. And that's what, he's, that's what he died for. And anybody who comes to him, he will cleanse and renew 
and free from the power of sin. You will not be in bondage to that anymore. It's not the way to live. And for us believers, I hope this is a call and a call to renewal, that we would devote ourselves to the Lord in humble reliance upon the work of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, and that we would give ourselves more and more to him and to say, you know, I am going to break with sin completely. Let that be our goal. Yes, we'll fail because we're sinful and God's working it out over his time, but he's promised, he is faithful, and he will surely do it. Isn't that a wonderful promise to put at the end of that? He is faithful and he will surely do it. So rest in dependence upon the one that can accomplish those things in us. Let's pray. Father, we again thank you for the opportunity to think about your word and to meditate upon it. And Lord, I pray that you would help us all to devote ourselves to you. Lord, we toy with sin. We like our particular own way we want to go. And and Lord, it often uh, robs us of joy uh, and, and causes all kinds of problems in our lives. Sin is never helpful. It's never good for us, even though we think so. Forgive us for pouring after those things, those idols of the heart that we run after. And Lord, may we know what it is to have true communion and fellowship with you, to walk with you and to have your presence in our lives and, and to be under, completely under your influence. Lord, we, we, we pray today, we give ourselves to you and we pray, Lord, that you would help us to always ask every day, what would you have us to do, Lord? Give us the strength to do it. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.